0: All right, everybody. Well, I'd like to uh, welcome everyone who is watching along on this edition of the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame's Hall Call interview series. Uh, as I am Will Driscoll, as I normally am. Um, I want to thank everybody again for, for joining us today. It's, we're now six, almost six months into this pandemic and COVID-19, so we're still trying to put content out there as best we can. Um, I am the executive director here, and I hope that everybody's staying safe, healthy, uh, as, we, uh, as we continue to hopefully navigate our ways out of this. Um, we got live sports again, which is nice, uh, but one thing that just really crept up on me is the fact that football starts next Thursday, so we have nine sleeps until NFL season kicks off, and uh, the reason why it crept up on me was because I wasn't paying attention to the fact that I have a fantasy draft this week, so lucky for me. I was able to lean on a contact of mine, as you can see in the window right here, Jake Seely, And hopefully this is a cheat sheet, a notes uh, thing that I can use. But Jake is a, uh, is a senior fantasy writer for The Athletic, uh, but he's based here in Virginia Beach. And uh, he's been an industry leader and award winner for both his rankings and predictions for baseball and football on the fantasy side. And uh, I'm hoping that some of what we talk about today bails me out. So, Jake, thanks a lot for joining us today.
1: Yeah, anytime it's so funny that you say that because we actually posted one this year that says, Oh crap, I have a fantasy draft tonight. What do I do? <laughs> I think that was <laughs> a good
0: text message to you. <laughs> well,
1: that's like, hey, I have beat writers from NFL teams and actually on the NHL side of things that were texting me in Slack and saying, like, oh shoot, I forgot my draft was tonight.
0: <laughs> well, you can follow Jake on Twitter at all in kid. He's very, very active and he's always posting. Uh, great rankings predictions, and he's always interacting with people who are trying to give him uh, some smack. So it's, it's actually a really fun uh, Twitter follow. Um, obviously, if you have questions, uh, those who are watching, this is on Facebook Live on our Virginia Sports Hall of Fame Facebook page. So try to get them up on the stream, and, uh, and we'll try to get them over to Jake. And, and if not, this will be up on our videos page, so you'll be able to see all the advice heading into your drafts before the season. So you've kind of lived in this digital world for much of your career. So has there been much difference this year as opposed to years past and what you do on the day-to-day?
1: Uh, not so much on the day-to-day, uh, just for building for this NFL season, there's been a little bit of difference of trying to estimate what we can believe in because every single year we say, you know, don't read too much into what's happening in practice. Don't read too much into like, you know, the beat writers try to give their best opinion, but still a best opinion. They're trying to do things that the coaches are doing that they're not going to tell Like, why does a coach going to go out there and be like, Hey, this is what I plan to do for all 16 games. But without the preseason games, now that's all we have to go on. Like, usually you could balance the two out. So that's the only real difference. Uh, The day-to-day has been pretty similar, but trying to parse through the information we're getting from beat reporters because they're watching the practices and decide if it's valuable or not has taken a whole nother level of importance this year because we
0: don't have the preseason games what's a question that you've been constantly asked as you've been trying to put together the rankings and predict the season that you're tired of being asked so that I don't ask it?
1: (laughs) Don't ask, who should I take in the second round or should I start running back, running back, running back? Should I take a wide receiver here? When should I take... And like, I laugh because people ask this and it's like, I did an article too. It's Fancy Football 101. This is that, this answers that question in there. So if you want to go read that, it's a great one is, but basically what people try to do is like, Hey, I'm picking ninth. Who should I take with the ninth pick? Or who should I take if I take a running back And now who do I take in the second? The thing is, is like every draft is going to be different. You can't predict how the draft is going to go, especially if you're in an auction league. So go in there with the strategy of you have your rankings, you have your sleepers, you have your guys that you really want, and just adapt to the draft. You know, I could tell you at the ninth pick, take a running back. But if Michael Thomas falls to number nine, because the first eight picks were running backs, you have to take Michael Thomas. And that's the point here is like, don't try to predict your draft because you're just going to miss out on potential values.
0: Have you seen leagues uh, that you've been a part of kind of expand their rosters to account for potential attrition, not just because of not having a preseason, but because a guy may get a, a positive virus test and now he's out for two weeks. So you're going from, say, 16 players to maybe 18, 20 rounds in drafts.
1: Yeah, a lot of that. Actually, my home league, we're doing that. We're going from 16 to 18. Uh, we've always had nine IR spots because I'm just always been, the hey, why penalize somebody for bad injury luck? Like, why should you be forced to drop somebody a value, and make that decision? It's not your fault. But even if you're somebody who's only had two IR spots or three or whatever, you know, you could add three or four IR spots that are only COVID, COVID eligible players. A lot of sites are actually allowing for that distinction. Is that, does that make, make that, make that word up? There's a distinguishing it's 2020. Systems? I don't think it's that's it's 2020. A word. I, I don't think anything's <laughs> off limits. <laughs> you can make that like if they are COVID only that spot, but also, you know, increase the bench spots, just not also for the IR, but if something happens Sunday morning you run to waivers or waivers have already run. Yeah. We've, we've done that. I've been suggesting that two additional rounds in your draft, whether it's auction or snake and then increase the IR spots for that. So,
0: I know that one of my challenges, and it's it's probably because I don't watch the the league as a whole as much as I should. But I get into the 14th, 15th, 16th round, and, and I'm like, I've never heard of this guy. But then I have the guy who is my like you know, a guy who claims to be a guru in my league, and he's saying, "Oh, that's a good pick. Oh, oh, I can't believe you passed on him." When you get into that 18th, 20th spot, you know what what are you what are you looking for? Are You just looking for an extra body at that point, or what should people be looking for? No. So
1: actually, once you start getting to about, I'd say the 12th round, so you already have two or three bench options on your team or at least two, It's the same once you get to the 18th round. It's just go for upside. And so I'm going to switch to a player now. It used to be back in the day, if everybody remembers James Jones, uh, he had a couple (laughs) really good seasons with the Packers. But then after that, he was just kind of a filler every single week. And I called it the James Jones rule, even though I really like James Jones. I just, when are you ever starting James Jones? Like you never wanted to put him in your lineup. You never wanted those five or six fancy points. It was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, don't draft. And now it's, I would say Cole Beasley. Like when are you ever going to put Cole Beasley in your lineup? You're not like, he's going to get probably three to six points every single week. Maybe there's one week where he gets 10, but you're not going to be able to predict it. Instead of drafting those guys, Frank Gore is a really good one at running back. You're never really going to want to start Frank Gore. You draft the potential breakouts. You draft a backup running back, maybe even a backup backup running back on the Chiefs. You, you can't figure out if it's Daryl Williams or Darwin Thompson or DeAndre Washington. Go take one of them because if something happens to Edwards Hilaire and they're the next man up, you just hit yourself a potential RB2. Same thing with wide receivers, an injury or a breakout season. Draft those kind of upside players. Don't fill your bench with, and put it this way, Will, this is the best thing I always tell everybody. If your argument is, oh, I could use them in a bye week, you don't want that guy because you're probably going to have, he's going to be the first person you drop for a good waiver anyway.
0: Yeah. Are you finally finding value in kickers? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> I mean, like
1: I've long form that there's another article on the side. Yeah. We actually have a comic this year. Somebody drew up a comic of banning kickers and did it. It's a whole very, it's very pretty. It's very well done. I must say I've never been put in comic form before.
0: That's great. Again, everybody, we're talking with Jake Seely from The Athletic. If you go to The Athletic, or if you have a, a subscription, they have a cheat sheet, which I call it a cheat sheet. It's more like a booklet. I mean, if you print it all off, you, you need a three ring binder. So, I mean, they have all the information you need. Uh, and actually, uh, Scott Boyer actually just asked, do you know where we can get 2020 run defense rankings going in? Do you guys have that? Obviously, he's interested in what kind of defense and special teams he should be. Uh, he should be picking up in his draft.
1: Defense. I do run defense. If you I'm assuming he's looking specifically for opponents and trying to judge strength of schedule. So I'll answer this with twofold one. No, he don't. Uh, <laughs> you can go to football outsiders. They DVOA. That's how they try to predict it every single year. And it's carried over. But I say predict because we have nothing to go on right now. And usually about week four or five those numbers become more predictable for opponents. So I will say one thing is we do this every year. Don't get too caught up in strength of schedule. If you want to strengthen, that's why I like the run. I like the question because it said run defense. He didn't just say defense period. People try to predict and say, oh, look at this team. They have a really bad schedule. Or look at this team, a really good schedule or whatever it is. I like to look at wide receivers versus the level of corners and then the running backs versus run defense. Uh, like I said, football outsiders was one of the best sites for it. I wouldn't even try to touch what they do. It's that good. But realize also at the beginning of the season, less predictable than it is once we have some information. Uh, The Giants and Saints, same year, a couple years ago, I always use this as an example. The Giants went from avoid them at all costs, halfway through the year, it was the most exploitable defense you could find in that same season. The Saints did the reverse. It was start everybody against the Saints, and then it was, oh, my gosh, stay away from them. They're shutting everybody down. And I bring that up just because within the same season, we had two defenses go completely opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: There you go, Scott. Hopefully that answers your question, because it, it, when you get into defense, I know that in years past, you could look at the difference between the first ranked defense and like a middle of the road defense. And you're looking at you know negligible points per week. Right. Uh, so defense is always kind of one of those things that's up in the air. Do you Which, remember last year how good yes. the Patriots
1: defense was? Yeah.
0: People didn't want to.
1: I, I'm not telling you people like I had somebody refuse a trade. They got offered the Lamar Jackson for the Patriots defense and they refused the trade. And then,
0: I mean, that's, I mean, I, I just leave it at that. That's how don't, don't overvalue defenses. Yes. Don't, don't be that guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't turn down Lamar Jackson for defense. Uh, which position does have the most depth this year? When you're looking at a potential 16 to 20 round draft, where, where is the most mid to late round depth? It's wide
1: receiver. It's without question. We were talking about all the rookies that have been coming in over the past couple of years to rookies this year. And then you're talking about just the depth across the league because it's become so pass happy that wide receiver is just ridiculous. And it's not even just, if you go that far down, like I'll give you a real quick, uh, like a view of my rankings. So Jerry Judy that everybody loves along with Deontay Johnson, Emmanuel Sanders, people know golden Tate. These are guys around ranking 50. At wide receiver. Like, that's how deep this position is. And it's at the top two. So, if you're doing your draft, I've always been the bell cow, like, get at least one bell cow running back in the first two rounds. I have no problem with going with the first two rounds, a running back in both, because by the time you get to the third, you're still talking about the Keenan Allens. And sometimes you might even get like a DJ Chark or DJ Moore in those rounds. Wide receiver is just ridiculous this year. I mean, you could argue, you could go look at my rankings and argue. I'm looking right now, you could go all the way down to Cooper Cup and Amari Cooper at 20 and say they could potentially finish top 10.
0: That's just those, crazy. Those were definitely two that popped out at me when I was looking through the rankings and as well as like the ADPs, you know, you're getting into fifth sixth round where you're seeing guys who are, you know, wide receiver ones on some teams, um, who's a good player on a bad team that's going to rack up some points this year. Oh, this is easy. This is stick within the state ish. Uh, Washington, Terry McLaurin. The <laughs> yes. The
1: football team, <laughs> Pat Mayo. I do shows with him. He's been calling the footballs because it just sounds like we'll call him the Washington footballs. Uh, so Terry McLaurin, there's no question about it. We, so I did two things looking at him for last year is I was a big fan of his coming out of college to begin with, but we saw the connection with Dwayne Haskins late in the season. And I never like to, cause you can get tricked by doing this. I never like to pull out games and say, well, if you only take this, but I I've, I'm about to say, but to my own argument, the first four games with Case Keenum and then the last four games where Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins started to turn the corner, started to play better. Th- that middle area. And the reason I'm leaving that out is because Case Keenum started playing poorly, got replaced by Haskins. Haskins had a terrible start to his career, but if you take those first four and last four games from Terry McLaurin and double that to 16 games, we're talking 1500 yards and like eight or nine touchdowns. Terry McLaurin's not going to do that, but if we're talking about the number one who is going to see a bevy of targets going his way, he is one of the best. And I wouldn't discount Steve Sims either at the end of the season, caught all but one of Dwayne Haskins touchdowns for the last three games. So I think there's a lot of options on this team that look, let's be real. The, the giants and, and the footballs are going to be at the bottom of this division, but they have some pieces on both.
0: Who was a player last year that you, that was kind of your surprise that you knew going into the season was going to surprise people. And who was a player that you missed on?
1: So uh, last year it was AJ Brown. Uh, now I will say this. I didn't expect AJ Brown to be as good as he was, yeah. uh, but even in my home league, I had AJ Brown that like, I, I think I got him for like a buck or two. And so I have him as a nice keeper this year, but <laughs> AJ Brown, like, like he's just an alpha number one wide receiver. And that's why you like him. And I think that if you look at it too, DJ Chark is in that same mold. Uh, also a bad team. Jacksonville's going to be passing a ton this year. That defense stinks and they just got rid of their best defensive player. So I would say that you know AJ Brown was one. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I was high on last year. Oh, I'll give you the opposite. I was low on him, but he went off. Uh, that was Aaron Jones. Now I didn't think Aaron Jones was gonna,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't
1: think Aaron Jones was going to be terrible. But it's actually if you look at it, Aaron Jones kind of did what I expected him, and that wasn't a lot of rushing yards. It's just the touchdowns were off the chart, and I, I think that I definitely missed on that one. I even Aaron Jones, I don't even think was in my top ten last year.
0: No, I don't think he was actually, he was a guy who I, again, you know, because I kind of get so focused sometimes on the teams that I root for. I remember his name coming up at the draft and didn't really, you know, move <laughs> the meter at all. And, uh, and next thing you know, I, it seemed like every week I was playing the guy who had Aaron Jones. <laughs> Aaron Jones. I know it's just, it's like, you, you don't like somebody and then somehow you face him like three times in the year. And it's
1: like, <laughs> yeah. why do I, I, I know I got this one this wrong. Isn't Leave me alone.
0: This isn't fair at all. Uh, Lamar Jackson, obviously his season last year was off the charts. There's gotta be a regression this year. Like he can't do that again. Right. But yet we still see him being drafted, you know, set first or second quarterback now still in the second round. Um, is it, do you, do we have to draft him as the first or second quarterback taken?
1: Absolutely. Uh, And I don't think it's necessarily can't do what he did last year. It's just really what it comes down to the touchdown rate. Uh, So I'll go back to a good comparison is Matt Ryan in 2016. If you remember that Falcons offense, Mm -hmm. the touchdown ratio was unbelievable. It was off the charts. It was like teams just don't do that. Lamar Jackson, for the amount of attempts that he had, the touchdown ratio doesn't make sense. I mean, he's I think the second closest person was like three percentage points behind them. And that was already ungodly to talk about. Like the average, I think, is somewhere in the five to six range. He was something like nine last year. Uh, So, even if he falls back in that way, and even if he runs a little bit less, I, you know, maybe he doesn't rush for a thousand yards, but I still think he falls into 900. I mean, what are we talking about? Worst case, he's probably as high as what Robert Griffin and Michael Vick were at their peak. And that's taking a step back. And I still think he's improving as a passer. Like you also look at his attempts last year. That's part of the reason the concern for the touchdowns, he can attempt more passes and still grow as a passer. When he came out of college, it was He needs to grow as a passer. He's still going into his third season, only second full season starting. So even if you discount his rushing a little bit, even if you say, all right, well, he was not going to pass the touchdowns, he can still offset it by being a better player. Uh, So I would still say that the rushing alone, because it's so much more valuable, he's right in front of Mahomes. But if you want to take Mahomes first, he still has to be the second quarterback off the board.
0: How important is the person that drafts him? How important is insurance at that QB two position? Because we've seen, you know, running quarterbacks—they just put themselves in more situations to get hurt. Not saying it will happen, but they're getting hit more than your traditional pocket passer. Uh,
1: I I get the argument, but I'm gonna maybe surprise you. I'm gonna say zero. And I'll say for one thing is because if you have Patrick Mahomes, if you have Lamar Jackson, if you have Dak, uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler, if you have basically a top six quarterback. I'm not even drafting a backup quarterback. Maybe this year, just because of the COVID situation. Like, if you just are concerned, like maybe Sunday rolls around and you don't want to potentially not have a quarterback or have to run to waivers. But here's why: is because if you draft one of those top six quarterbacks, you're never benching them ever, unless they get hurt or they get COVID or something like that. So you're just kind of wasting a bench spot, and that's why I won't do it because I want to spend that bench spot. And a potential surprise running back, which are always tough to find, or a potential breakout wide receiver, or maybe even a second tight end that could break out like last year. Mark Andrews and Darren Waller were taken outside the top ten, so that's really what it comes down to. Is I'd rather spend that bench spot on somebody that could potentially find their way in my lineup because even if you find yourself a breakout quarterback you're still not sitting that top quarterback. So that's why I don't usually go with a backup for those guys.
0: Yeah. You'd use them as trade bait or something like that. Um, it's clear Mahomes Jackson one, two, but you just mentioned the other four that are, that are after that, but they're still, you know, their average draft position is, you know, late fifth round and that's Dak, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, who's the best of the rest in, in that group right there. And and, you know, does Watson have enough support this year to justify, you know, using, using a high, a high pick on him?
1: If everybody stays healthy, but see, that's the big question is Will Fuller has been dealing with, you know, soft tissue, leg injuries. That's a big, a big concern, whether he can stay healthy. Brandon Cooks says he's fine, but at this point you do have to be a little bit, you, know, you do have to acknowledge the fact that the, the concussions are racking up. I mean, kind of similar to Wes Welker towards the end of his career, like he takes one shot. He can miss three, four five weeks because he's not going to be in the quick concussion protocol to come back potentially in one or two games. So I will say if everybody's healthy, Watson's in this conversation, but he's in this conversation more because of his legs. He's not throwing for 4,000 yards. He's not throwing for 35 touchdowns. So you have to remember that too, that Watson's a, a running quarterback for fantasy purposes. That's going to bring value. So for this group, for me personally, I kind of have Dak Prescott in a tier of his own because he was number two last year. If you include Patrick Mahomes' missed games, maybe he's number three at worst. But he's number three, and then they just added C. D. Lamb. Blake Jarwin looks better. If Dak doesn't repeat as number three quarterback this year, something went wrong. Like, he got hurt, or this team just bombed, and other players got hurt, and everything just went haywire. Dak Prescott, for me, is kind of in his group by himself. He's just kind of like – it. he's on an island. He's just out there by himself.
0: It'll make the Cowboys fans happy, and I don't know if you know, that's, that's what you wanted to do, but – that's what you did. Cowboys fans are
1: always, they're happy. They're always, they always think, when's the last time you guys won a playoff game?
0: (laughs) They'll tell you Um, there. What's crazy though, is looking at then further down the quarterback rankings. I don't know if this is a depth uh, question, a value question, or if I'm just surprised that when you start looking in like the 10 to 15 range, Brady breeze, uh, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, these are, these are hall of famers. Now, future Hall of Famers has no bearing on where you get drafted late in your career in fantasy. But, you know, has the, has the quarterback kind of guard been changed already going to Mahomes and Jackson, or are these guys that can still, you know, be your number ones and give you solid value every week?
1: They certainly can. What really has changed in fantasy is because we're getting more and more quarterbacks rushing. It's really what it comes down to is scoring. You know, you get one point for 10 yards rushing and six for a rushing touchdown versus one for 25 yards passing and four for a passing touchdown. So it's real simple math. If there's more value in the rushing. It's where Josh Allen's value
0: came in in last
1: year. Yeah. Josh Allen, nine rushing touchdowns. So like when you have Josh Allen, when you have Daniel Jones, who's running a bit, when you have Gardner Minshew running a bit, when you have all these guys starting to get mixed in, that's really what it comes down to is the fact that, you know, To offset what they bring rushing, the quarterbacks like Breeze and Brady have to throw for 4,500 yards, have to throw for 30 touchdowns, and it's not that they can't, I mean, they're inside my top 10 or right around there, it's just, if they have a slight decrease in passing, they don't have the rushing to offset it, so that's really why you're seeing this, but that also gives a testament to how deep the quarterback position is, it's just If you miss on the top five or six, just wait. I mean, we say this every single year as quote unquote experts, but I'm analyst. (laughs) I I hate the word expert, but analyst, uh, you know, if you don't get one of them and don't feel like you need to, like I'm not taking as much as I have Dak as in the tier by himself, I still won't take them till the fourth or fifth round, late fourth, early fifth, which means I probably don't get them. I'll take the other three in that fifth, sixth round range. Again, probably don't get them. But I'm fine with that because I can get Tom Brady, Drew Brees in the eighth round or so. And then if I'm really uncomfortable with that, go get Daniel Jones and Gardner Minshew in the 13th. So now you have a a safe guy and a guy who could potentially break out.
0: Somewhere in between there, you'll probably have Garoppolo, Goff, and Phillip Rivers. Jared Goff and Phillip Rivers. If you had to choose one of those in that, you know, eighth to tenth round where they're going to probably be available, who it?
1: It's probably the quarterback. I think that has the worst skills, but he's in the best offense with the greatest offensive mind and college. Well, now NFL, uh, Sean McVay with him is Jared. You know, last year they threw a lot and mm-hmm. that actually they were pretty much the reversal of Lamar Jackson threw a lot, very low touchdown success rate. So if that just comes back around, we could see Jared Goff from two years ago. Uh, the only concern we have right now is Cooper cup has been a little nicked up with his ankle. So is he going to be healthy for week one? But if he just reverses course a little bit, again, I don't I actually think he's the worst talent of the three, mostly because of his decision-making, but Sean McVay has been able to get the best out of him. And I think you look at that offense. He could get back at the 30 plus touchdowns. I would take golf, but I, I wouldn't do it. I would already have another quarterback because I just don't want him on my team. <laughs> uh,
0: kind of transitioning. I, uh, that's a lot on quarterbacks, but I, I guess I'm just so surprised to see how many good names there are out there. I mean, a guy like Kirk Cousins, he's thrown for 4,000 yards multiple times, and he's down in the bottom third of the ranking. So that there's value in the quarterback position. And the running backs, though, you know, you, you look at the average draft position, 13 of the top 15 players picked on average. And, and this isn't just in athletic leagues, these are this is all the leagues, ESPN, Yahoo, 13 of the first 15 are running backs. So if you're not hitting on one of those picks, like how much does that affect your your team, you know, and the, and how you draft the rest of the way? If you're number one or you're number two, or if you're in the you know a 12 team league and you have 12 and 13, if they're not hitting, how how much does that affect your team? <laughs> it can it can
1: definitely hit if you don't have the proper depth behind it. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying like look at me, but just an example is I had a few years ago. Uh, for people that remember, my first two round picks were C.J. Anderson and Justin Forsett. C.J. Anderson bombed. Forsett got hurt. And I still won the league because I had good running back depth behind him. And that's one of the things to go back to your question from earlier is I would populate your bench with more running backs than any other position that I want to only have running backs, but that's where it really comes into play is having that depth because there are going to be running backs that get hurt. there are going to be running backs that disappoint and everybody runs to the waiver wire to find the next one. Well, if you've already got them on your roster, you're sitting pretty. Uh, you don't have to hit on every single pick. Uh, but to your point, this is why I take a bell cow quote unquote running back. This is why I consider to go running back, running back in the first two rounds is because the reason you see that the 13 to the 15 is because wide receiver is so deep that you can find potential top 20 guys in the fifth, sixth round. And conversely, running back, once you get out of those top 13, potentially even like 15, 16 running backs as a whole, you get questions of split backfields or is a rookie going to take over like Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, Uh, just injury concerns with like, you know, James Conner can be a top 10 running back, but we haven't seen him play a full season. So there's just so many questions after you get past like 12 or 13 running backs that that's why it's happening.
0: Ezekiel Elliott, speaking of bell cows, um, you know, last year he had the contract issue and I had him on on one of my fantasy teams. And I don't feel like he, he lived up to, I think I drafted him number two and the contract happened just before the season started. But then I go back and I look at his stats and he was still averaging 19, 20 points a week. So he was still getting those points. Is What what is he now? Do you see him going back to how impactful he was his rookie sophomore season, or is he going to continue to kind of fall down? And when I say fall down, but let's be be realistic, he's still the number third overall running back according to ADP, but is he worth that pick that high? You almost have to take him.
1: You do, and I have no problem with it. Uh, I'm actually taking Dalvin Cook in front of him mostly because of that. I'm worried about Zeke's uh, passing game work, which did decline last year. And now you have McCarthy there who McCarthy has been somebody that does pass a little bit more. Jason Garrett is somebody who loves to lean on the running back and he's gone. So now with Saquon Barkley, if everybody, but not like Saquon Barkley could have got that many more touches to begin with, but the concern with Zeke is that you have CD lamb. Everybody loves Blake Jarwin, Mike McCarthy's there. So it's just, is he going to lose that passing game work? And when we're talking about the difference between cook and Kamara and Barkley and Zeke, and like all these top level running backs. I mean, we just saw Derrick Henry, who doesn't have any value in the passing game, but we saw how monstrous of a season it was. But Zeke's not doing that in the running game, despite he probably could, he just doesn't get that same volume. So that's just really what it comes down to as a volume standpoint. Is he going to get those 22, 22, 23 touches every single week? Probably not. So he's still a top four pick, but I would actually have him at four. I would take Cook in front of him.
0: Well, and you just mentioned Derrick Henry. Henry was on a, just a next level tear from a running back standpoint, the last 10 games of, of last season, but he doesn't, he's not your traditional, you know, screen and he'll, you know, get 12, 15 yards out of it. He's a, he's a North South runner. Is that hurting his value this year or are people really buying into the juice and the Kool-Aid that, that he had towards the end of last season?
1: I think people are more concerned with the volume that he had last year. And is it going to take a toll? Uh, we've seen this through the past seasons. Like, oh, you can go back to when Zeke kind of got banged up a little bit the year after what is a 400 plus touches. That's really what it's, it's the workload for Derrick Henry. And it's also Derek Henry is not built more like Zeke and Barkley where it's more condensed because he's so tall because it takes so many shots to the legs. I mean, you could look at last year. You know, you didn't make it through the season 100%. You missed the one week. And it's really what it comes down to is that's why. And I don't like to try to play predict the injury risk. But that's why Derrick Henry is not being drafted among those names is because it's twofold. As you mentioned, it's not the passing game work. So he loses that, especially with everybody playing half and full point PPR these days. But I think that's also in the back of their minds is that I kind of would almost factor in a lot of people assume he's going to miss at least one or two games.
0: The running back position is, has always been one that's just confounded me because beyond the starters, that, that's where I start getting lost. But I always try to load it up with, you know, like you said, load your bench up with running backs because you're going to need them. Um, but transitioning to, um, to wide receiver, the, the, the question that really is intriguing to me is if it comes down to it and you have the decision, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, they both now have Brady in the backfield. Godwin just took an otherworldly step last year. Mike Evans is still, you know, Mike Evans. But if if you had to pick because they're both available, which one are you going with?
1: I'm taking Chris Godwin. And so if you really want to dive down the rabbit hole of getting advanced with fancy people. Let's do it. Well, it really comes down. But if you don't, I will say this. That's why you have people like myself. And I'm not saying only myself. There's a litany of people out there that get really advanced with their metrics and stuff like that. But two of the things that you dive into is Tom Brady's tendencies, which everybody out there, I think, assumes or knows this one is that he targets the slot a lot. But he actually didn't always. I mean, you go back to Randy Moss this season and just how many <laughs> touchdowns that Randy Moss have. So you can make that argument for Mike Evans. But then let's go to the second level and say, this is an article I wrote last year and it was talking about the difference between a red zone target and an end zone target. You know, red zone, you could be targeted anywhere from the red zone 20 all the way to the end zone. Well, if I'm targeting you on the 15, that's a lot less predictable value than if I'm targeting you while your feet are in the end zone, likely to score a touchdown. Yeah. So I broke those apart, and the problem was last year. Now, Tom Brady was playing with you know terrible wide receivers outside of Edelman, but he was one of the five worst at converting end zone targets. Again, maybe he didn't have the weapons for it, but that's more Mike Evans' game. Chris Godwin plays more at the slot, is that big slot, similar to Michael Thomas. So I'm leaning Godwin for just the tendencies and how Tom Brady has played of recent years. Would it surprise me if Mike Evans trumps Godwin this year with Tom Brady? Absolutely not. But it would probably come because of more touchdowns than Godwin, and so that's why I lean Godwin. But again, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll even have a team where I have both of them because if you go like I don't want to, but let's go back. You remember the years of the Packers where it was like Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb both finished as top fifteen wide receivers. I feel like I always
0: played against them. I never had one of them on my team.
1: (laughs) Do you? And another. How about Derek Carr? Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr had Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree as top 15 wide receivers two years in a row. And people forget that, too. I don't want to do it, but you could make it work.
0: So I guess if you if you're in that, you know, that that uh, snake draft and it's coming back around, you got both of them late second, early third. It would have to be a great
1: value. Like I said, Mike (laughs) Evans would have to be clearly the best value. The same thing like Julio and Calvin Ridley. When it's the second one and you already have the first, it would have to be there's a big gap between the next player. But if that big gap is there, I'm not going to ignore it just to avoid having teammates. Last
0: year when we when we did this, we did it on the podcast, which is pretty much uh, transitioned over to this format now. But we talked about, you know, the sexy team at the time was the Browns because they had Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and, um, and uh, uh, the Kareem running Hunt. backs escaping my name, Kareem Hunt. Um, Kareem Hunt. Uh, now, Kareem Hunt was suspended the first half of the season, but they—they they were a team that you just thought all these things were going to happen, and, and clearly that didn't. Is there a team like that this year where the—the the talent's there, but you're wary of, of putting that talent on your fantasy team?
1: I'll say it, it's the Bengals. Like they kind of, and now they feel like the Browns, but not like the Browns are like, oh, they're going to win the division and be in yeah. the playoffs and everything. Like, but from a fantasy standpoint. Everybody's all over the Bengals because Joe Burrow just did what he did in college and set records after Dwayne Haskins set records two years ago. You know, Joe Burrow went ballistic. I mean, he set otherworldly records that probably will take a while to even come close to again. So he comes in as the quarterback. AJ Green is back and healthy for now. Tyler Boyd just had a good season without AJ Green. And then you talk about whether it's John Ross or T Higgins, who they drafted from Clemson and all these other players. And then, of course, the backfield, Joe Mixon and Giovanni. And this just feels like a team where it's like, oh, look at all these pieces. Look at all this greatness. And then on the flip side, their defense is going to be terrible. So they're going to have to be aggressive. They're going to have to be passing. Let's also realize Joe Burrow is a rookie quarterback. Let's realize that A.J. Green essentially hasn't played for two years, uh, mixed in there for a few games. But there's just a lot of questions on this team where, yes, I'll buy in, but it has to be in a reasonable price. Joe Mixon is dealing with migraines. Oh, that's the report. that Some people think Mm -hmm. it's contract related. But, you know, there's a lot of questions on this team. Those contracts can give you headaches. I know. They definitely can. I I would have migraines, too, if somebody wasn't paying me. So, you know, like I just I, I feel like that's the team for fantasy purposes. Again, not so much like real life wins.
0: What about the Patriots? Cam Newton, Julian Edelman, uh, you know, these are guys who've had amazing seasons in the past, but don't really know. Edelman always had Brady throwing to him, like you said, in the slot. You were always going to get touches, especially in a PPR league. Cam physically is not the same as he was before, but he's in a new system now. What's, What's your opinion on both of those guys?
1: I actually think they're both values right now. I mean, if we even knew cam was 90% of what he used to be, we'd be excited about it. And he's not, the real truth here is similar to Sean Watson. He's not, he's going to run and he's not going to stop running. Like they've tried the Panthers tried. He's going to run, especially when he gets inside the five, he's going to look for the touchdown Uh, cam all reports so far is that he looks great. So, you know, if he's back to 95%, close to hundred percent, you know, this is somebody who's finished in fantasy as the number one quarterback before Edelman, just finished as a top 20 wide receiver last year. And I just got hit. I just did a draft last night and I got him as my fourth wide receiver. And I think it was like the eighth or the ninth round. So at that point with the concerns of Nikhil Harry, you know, Mahama Sanu might be the second best wide receiver, the gunner kid. Like there's just so many questions at wide receiver. And yet Julian Edmonds walking into another year of well over hundred plus targets. Cam Newton looks good. I'm taking both and I think that people are going to be hating themselves for not taking just for the cost associated. It's all the risk is baked in with how cheap they're going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're not really going to reach for either one of them uh, in the top, you know, third of the, your draft. Most likely. Right. Now, if you do, then you'll just get laughed you're at. Patriots assume, fan. But, <laughs> that's right, you're a Patriots fan. That's right. Um, real quick on the tight ends. You know, we, we know about uh, um, uh, we know about Kelsey and Kittle uh, you know, after that, though, I, I'm drafting my running backs. I'm drafting my wide receivers. I get one of those top six quarterbacks that you mentioned. When should I look for a value play on the tight ends?
1: Yeah, so you're probably not going to get Mark Andrews at a value. He's going super high, and deservedly so. Uh, Zach Ertz had been a value, but with all the injuries that the Eagles are dealing with, he's starting to creep back up. So I'm going to compare it to last year. And everybody remembers last year, if you played fantasy, that second tier where everybody was drafting O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, and Hunter Henry. And that entire tier just went out the window. Hunter Henry was the only mildly productive one. And even that was uh, not, not for what you paid. So I will wait. I'll let somebody take the Darren Wallers, the Hunter Henry again this year. I think it's really, once you start to see those two come off the board or maybe even a third, like Tyler Higby, a lot of people like him, it's just wait for like the Hunter Hearst of the, or the other. You know, so like he's Hurst is stepping into Austin Hooper's role and even if he takes 16 games to do what Hooper did over 13, it's going to be a great season. So I have Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper, who people are just disrespecting for moving to Cleveland. Stefanski, he loves his two tight ends, loves his tight ends in general. And everybody just doesn't believe that Hooper can do what he did again. So I'm, I'm big on the Hurst and Hooper range. And then after that, you can look at potential breakouts. I'm looking at my rankings right now. You can say Hawkinson, Gesicki, potentially breakout. Chris Herndon got banged up today, but if he's healthy, everybody wanted him as a top 10 last year. So I will say, if you don't get one of the big three, I would include Andrews as a big three, ignore that next group. And then once the tight ends start to roll off the board, usually around the seventh round, that's when you want to jump back in.
0: I'm glad you're looking at your rankings right now. Who is someone that you're just looking at that's being drafted way too high consistently that, that you would just tell the, the average drafter. Don't get tempted. Just, (laughs) just fight the temptation and wait a little bit longer. So it's funny I'm, I'm
1: looking right now i actually did an article as my adp versus my rankings uh so it's yeah, i'll give you two actually yeah, okay well then,
0: then then give me give me one that's going too high and another one who you see that's going too low one where two. there's that value okay. so i'll give you the two high is
1: Keyshawn vaughn the running back for the buccaneers uh mostly because in a lot of, it's starting to come back but it's still not enough everybody is super excited about Keyshawn vaughn because ronald jones is disappointed for two years they bring in LaShawn McCoy, and we saw LaShawn McCoy disappoint with the Chiefs. And people are still drafting Keyshawn Vaughn in like the middle rounds because they're hoping for that upside and breakout. The report from our own, I say our own, the athletic, uh, the, the beat reporter Greg Oman said that yes, Keyshawn Vaughn will get on the field probably in kick returns and special teams. So that's all you need to know unless there's multiple injuries, he's not getting involved or at least for a few weeks. So stop basically drafting Vaughn for now. You maybe can pick him off waivers in a few weeks. I'm looking for the biggest discrepancy that I have. Cause I want to give you the big, one. I'm trying to find the big, uh, here's a, Oh, this is a big one. Well, I already said, Steve Sims. So I'll give you a second, big one, Anthony Miller for the bears mm-hmm. on the reverse. He's still be drafting around 50 at wide receiver. Over the last couple weeks of the season, he was a top 15 wide receiver. Mind you, Allen Robinson was still top 10. It wasn't like he took away from Allen Robinson. It's just if you look at the Bears – it's those two like they're still trying Jimmy Graham at tight end. They drafted a rookie, which is always slow for a tight end to develop as a rookie. So if you look at this, there's going to be just I don't care if it's Trubisky. I don't care if it's Foles. I was Marcus just about
0: to just, say I was just man. about to say if Nick Foles was signed with them this offseason. So there may be an opportunity for a, a more accurate passer to be in there. Possibly. Well, possibly. possibly. Well, you, well, you never I'm know. Saying with there's the, a quarterback controversy. You didn't hear that here. Oh, no, I actually think that Foles could
1: potentially start, but I don't know if it's going to be that much better. Like, apparently, no, neither one of them are making eyebrows raised, I think was yeah, the quote. But even if they play poorly last year, like the poor quarterback play was there last year. Again, it's funneled targets. That's one of the things, too, for looking for wide receivers, look for target share. I don't have that on my website. I don't have to break it, but there's a lot of websites that do it out there. Look for percentage targets, 15, 20-plus percentage of the targets going their way. And that's what you want to look for because targets equals production.
0: As always, the, the content that you bring to, to these conversations and, and what you do on The Athletic is is unmatched. I mean, I just, again, I'm I'm the above average kind of fantasy guy, but I definitely don't consider myself, you know, the fantasy guy, but I always learn a lot more when I talk to you. And, and as always, it's, it's a pleasure catching up with you. I hopefully the, uh, the season goes off without that pitch and maybe we can catch up again midway and see, uh, see how all of these picks worked out.
1: Yeah. I hopefully a hundred percent agree. with
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, be sure to read Jake's content on uh, athletic fantasy sports. You can also follow him on, on Twitter at all in kid. Again, he's very active on Twitter. So he'll, he'll probably have a little bit of fun with you, but at the same time, you can also see a lot of great content, particularly as you head into your fantasy draft. It might be your first, it might be your fifth. It might even be more than that, but, Football kicks off next Thursday, so be sure to get all this information in before then. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who took the time to watch and listen today. Thank you for sending in your questions. Uh, as always, thanks to our partners, Priority Automotive, City of Virginia Beach, DAVCON, Inc., Optima Health, and ESPN Radio. Be sure to follow the hall on all of our social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, at sportshof. Uh, once again, I'm Will Driscoll. And uh, with the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, and I hope everybody stays safe, stays healthy, and football kicks off in nine days. So enjoy the season.